Welcome. I'm Hala Abdel Noor, the presenter of Facilitate This, the Group Work Center podcast where we talk with facilitators about their craft with a focus on a different topic each episode. Facilitate This is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and goes out to listeners on the lands of First Nations people across Australia and beyond. One of the biggest challenges we can face as facilitators is conflict in the group. When the heat rises and the flames flare up, how can we keep everyone safe? Jim talks to facilitator at the Group Work Centre, Steve Ray, about sitting in the fire and emerging warmed rather than badly burned. It's great to have Steve Ray in. Welcome. Thank you. Steve, you've been in the game for a long while as a facilitator and you would have seen um, tension and conflict in groups. One thing that struck me as a facilitator is how often it's swept under the carpet, this tendency for us not to think that it's a big deal or think we can get away without dealing with it. What's your take on what's going on there? Well, whatever happens in a group is a reflection of what we do in society, isn't it? And uh, no one likes conflict. <laughs> Simple as that. We're, we're into avoiding it as much as we can. I think society says conflict is bad, therefore the most important thing you can do is get away from it. So there's this massive conspiracy around avoiding conflict. And yet when you actually look at conflict, there's something important always underneath the emotion, which is so intense that it's, it scares us. And we get, you know, all that fight-flight reaction happening within us. And from a facilitation point of view or a group work point of view, the real challenge is can we get underneath that emotion and find out what the important piece is that is causing that emotion in the first place? But I think, yeah, I think it's people just want to run away from it because it terrifies them. And mm. who likes saying, oh, great, conflict, let's get into that. Not many people do. <laughs> let's define it. What you, you talked about emotions. That comes into the definition, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, and it's like our definition at Group Work Centre is that it's a difference of opinion with strong emotions attached. So when you define it in that way, it's almost like you're already starting to tease it apart because we can have differences of opinion but there's no emotion, there's no charge there. You know, you just think, oh, okay, you think that. Oh, I totally don't think that, you know, but there's nothing. Whereas sometimes there's, you know, the, the, the whole energy comes into it and it's like, well, that's just a load of, you know, rubbish, what you're saying. And then there's this standoff, there's this real disconnect that happens. And that's the big impact of conflict. It disconnects us from each other. And so you can't do kind of anything in terms of what you might be trying to do as a group, that can't happen because you're actually physically disconnecting yourself from each other. So a lot of that is about defence. It's about protection. It goes back to really basic, primal, you know, embodied uh, states within us as human beings, I think. It's good that you, you're able to talk there about what's happening for us and what we're feeling. Um, we've got a lot of investment and we come to realise this the more the work mm. we do in groups mm. in resolving things. So what's that process? How do we go about addressing it? Such a good question because I think there's lots of ways we don't address it <laughs> as facilitators. I mean, facilitators are human beings too, and so there's lots of things that we do unconsciously to try and steer away from it because we're affected, of course, by all of that conditioning that society has, which says get away from it. 
So we might have a whole lot of structures and processes where we we think, oh, we need to do this now, have a break, or I'll use this process and that will help us move away from the conflict. And this might be being all done quite unconsciously. But if we're on our game and we realise that there is something important with conflict, then the first thing we need to really be aware of is that we need to manage our own internal response. And that is the real challenge. That's the work that actually you have to do in a way in the lead up to tackling conflict. If, you, if that's what you want to do, you need to do that internal work yourself. You need to become really conscious of, wow, I get affected when you know that emotion comes up or this happens. Because if we can't manage our own reaction, we're not going to be able to manage the conflict. We'll be too busy with ourselves in a sense trying to, you know, my gosh, what am I going to do now? And, you know, that kind of dialogue going on within us. Whereas if we can recognise conflict and we've become good at just settling and maybe taking a breath and going, okay, something's happening, Um, I need to do something. And the first thing is often just noticing that conflict is there and being prepared to stop what's happening and, and name that there is something happening to the group. Because unless you do that, the group will implicitly feel unsafe and scare themselves and they'll start in, you know, disengaging in all kinds of various ways. So if we can recognise it, name it, and kind of help the group to see that actually something's going on here, but it's verbalised. Like everyone knows intrinsically that something's going on, but once you actually name it and say, I think we need to do something here because this is not working people already feel a little bit safer because they think, oh, wow, the facilitator's onto this. Okay, what's going to happen? And they're, they're, they're ready for the next step. How do you then proceed? In many ways, as a facilitator, of course, you're wanting to be there for the group and you're wanting to make sure the group stays as much as possible in charge of the process while holding them safe. So you might do a little bit of, okay, so look, depending on the nature, the context of the day, this has brought up some tension. There's a bit of conflict here. And look, something like this can often happen on days like today. So you might say something like that if it was a, you know, I don't know, a big strategic planning day or a team building day or something like that because, you know, things are important. And so you name a bit of that. You might say, you know, these days are important. And when things are important for us, we often, we're passionate about them. We hold on to things tightly and that's okay. So let's try and work with this and find out what's going on. So then you might go to, so you've kind of paused it in that little statement and then you might go to where the conflict has popped out from. So we call this pop-up conflict, managing that pop-up conflict because it's just kind of suddenly happened, you know. Someone's had a go at someone in yeah. a group over an issue. Someone yeah. else might have responded and suddenly there's a little bit of explosion going on. In yeah, room. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a little thermonuclear thing yeah. happening. And that can be like visual conflict, but sometimes there's the unspoken conflict too where, you know, you need to be able to pick up the cues. So if somebody's crossing their arms, rolling their eyes and sighing a lot, that's unspoken conflict, then in the same way, you need to name that. Look, I'm just noticing there's uh, a lot of uncomfortable reactions happening at the moment, or it might only be one. I'm just noticing there's a bit of a reaction happening over there. So you're not judging it as good or bad, that there's a reaction, and you're then inviting that person to give you more information. Because when it's body language, 
you don't know what's going on. But as soon as you invite someone in by saying, you know, uh, what's going on for you at the moment, I've noticed you just kind of crossed your arms there and you looked a bit disinterested or something that's not going to judge what they're doing, they'll often come back and say, well, and then you've got some words behind it and that gives you more information and you know the next thing to do, which is often, oh, okay, so does anybody else have the same reaction as Bob or whoever? There was a a gentleness in your voice there and that's important, isn't it? Because the last thing you want to do when you do this noticing and naming stuff that we do as facilitators is put people on the spot and close them up. You need to open them up. And that's really the only way that we can do it, not not targeting someone, avoiding shaming. And that, I think, is one of the scary things that we have to do as facilitators yeah. to get that right so that we're welcoming people into a space of resolution mm. rather than a highly mm. charged emotional response, mm. yeah? Yeah, that's a really good observation because that is the fine line. And it's often one of the reasons why as facilitators we don't go into that space because we're scared we won't get it right and that someone could, you know, feel hurt or mm. just disengage or whatever. But if we remember that, you know, and come from a place of principle, what are we trying to do here? We're always trying to help the group stay together, connected in some way. And even when someone has done something wrong, you know, they shouldn't be shamed for that. I mean, that's one of the principles, right, we work by, that we've all got that capacity to say or do the wrong thing. And in that moment, we're probably thinking, oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't said that, if if we do that. So as a facilitator, if we can say, wow, that was a strong comment you just made, did you want to say a bit more about that? You're actually giving that person a second go at it. And they'll often qualify what they say. Well, when I say it's a load of crap, what I mean is, you know, and then you get a more moderated response. And it also indicates to the rest of the people in the room that, oh, wow, we can work through this stuff. You know, as a facilitator, if we're internally calm and we're engaging with that conflict, suddenly it's not scary anymore. It just becomes another thing that we can work with. And the exciting thing about conflict is there will be a gem that you will not normally find because something really big can be there for a person. And when you discover what that is, it could be the, you know, the way through sometimes. That's when we're in a group and a conflict pops up because yes. there's been this explosion mm. for whatever reason. And we can usually, with the right skill set, deal with it there and then. Sometimes mm. we have to take it outside or to another meeting or another session, don't yes. we? We have to be aware that that could be the option that the group prefers and give them that option. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good point because sometimes the, the conflict that pops up is actually something bigger and, yes, it's popped up, something's triggered it, but actually if you go into it, you might find that that dynamic that's happening between two people is long running mm. and someone will normally flag that if you tease things out enough. They might even do it themselves to say, well, this has been going on for months and at that point you're really negotiating with the group about what do you want to do because you've got work to do whatever that might be and yet you've got this conflict which could be a boulder in the middle of the way of that that work and you're then as a facilitator usually wanting to show some leadership around that because you can say look we've got some options we could just keep going and and park that but it feels like it's really big if you sense as a facilitator that it's it's too big then you might have to say well I think we need to to do some work around this. And then people go, well, what about the plan? What about the... Mm. And, and then you say, well, yes, we do need to do the plan as well. But as we can see, it's getting in the way. We need to actually do this work first. So you're showing that you can be flexible with the agenda, 
Because if you just stick to the agenda because you've got one, you can't be responsive then to what the group needs. And we always have to remember as facilitators, that's our job to make possible, you know, the purpose of the group. Great to bring it back to that. So just say that it is a big issue mm. that we've uncovered mm. and there's some people that want to get up on with the strategic plan. There's others mm. that want to deal with this issue now. That can happen, can't it? What do you yeah. do then? Well, you basically have to negotiate with them. And sometimes you will have that division and you might actually have to make the call because of your experience. You can say, and you do a lot of validation. So, so say, for example, you feel you need to deal with the conflict. You might say, look, absolutely, we have to do the strategic plan. That's why we're here. But I'm seeing this. My experience is telling me that this is a big thing. You've said it's a big thing. It's been going on for months. Uh, it's clearly getting in the way. I really think we need to do that work. So you're, you're trying to help them get to that place. And usually people will get there. They might be begrudging, but they kind of see the logic of it. On the other hand, it might be people say, oh, we've got to sort this out right now. And you say, mm, maybe we could just actually put to and, and check out with the people. Are you okay if we put this to one side? And the interesting thing is often people who've been in conflict for a while, they're used to it. They can put the firewall up, you know, and yeah. they just get on and with get the on content. With it, yeah. But, of course, for them personally, their capacity to be really wholehearted is limited by the fact that they've got this thing between them and or between them and the organiser, whatever it might be. So ultimately it does need to be resolved because we use all these unconscious resources to hold on to conflict. It's a shocking thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's so normalised, isn't it? Like yeah. You go into any organisation, you'll find conflict somewhere and people just work around it. So I guess that for me is why the whole conflict space is a really exciting one because there's so much possibility to unleash this lost energy that's going into holding on to the conflict. What happens then, we talk, don't we, about a clearing conversation. Mm. Tell us about that because it's not widely understood, I don't think, what this process is about to no. clear the air. Yeah, and that terminology, clearing the air, I think is a really helpful one for people because often when you say conflict resolution, people think they need to get to some point of agreement. And when you go into a clearing, you make it really clear that it's not about agreeing, but it's about we've defined that definition of conflict as being two differences of opinion with strong emotions attached. So the clearance is to try and remove that emotion. What is it that's created that charge? And normally people are holding all kinds of grudges because of the way in which people have responded and you need to go into that. And so really the process for that is a very simple one where you're getting, you know, it might be a group of people where somebody has been kind of a lightning rod for conflict that's rippled out into a group, or more often there's something identified between a couple of people. And in that situation, what you do is you set it up really well. It's the setup that's the most important. And one of the critical things is you have to get agreement from those people that they actually want to do it. Mm. You can't say to people, you need to do conflict resolution. Here it is. There's time going. They have to actually want to, to change. They don't have to agree that they're part of it. They might think, oh, yeah, I do want it over because they're a real problem. <laughs> you know? yeah. But once they're in the room, then going through a process where you say, look, we're going to set up some agreements so you feel like you know what's going to happen. I'll facilitate to your agreements. 
and then we'll go on and we're just going to do a very simple thing where someone's going to listen to someone speaking. But when you speak, here are a few guidelines. Speak about what happened to you. Mm. Speak about you know what your feelings were, the effect on you and the needs that you have. And then when you're listening, your job at the end of what they've said is to reflect back exactly what you heard so that the person really knows that you've heard what they've said. Sounds simple. <laughs> when people are in conflict, it's disastrous because, you know, someone will start speaking and, you know, you can see the other person thinking, that's not what happened. Mm. And I say, well, the reason I did that, they'll jump in straight away with, you know, here's the reason for. And that's where as a facilitator, you have to say, no, just hang on a sec. Remember, we're just going to reflect back here. So you have to be very gentle with people who are going into a conflict resolution process because they will find it very challenging, at the start at least, because the conflict is all through their body. As facilitators, I remember the first conflict resolution I did, I could not believe the charge I was feeling in my body. It was mm. quite astonishing. Like, everyone else looked comfortable. And I'm thinking, why do I feel like my body is jumping out of my skin? And it's because you are tuned in to the energy in the room that's coming from people. It's quite an extraordinary thing. I'm not a person who generally tunes into that stuff, but I really felt it in the first conflict gig that I did, which I did say, oh, yes, well, in this work that I've done many times before, <laughs> uh-huh. because that was part of building the, the trust. Is that what sitting in the fire is? Is it to feel the heat? to feel mm. the energy that comes mm. out of people. Let's explain for the listener, Arnie Mandel's work, sitting mm. in the fire, is having the ability to hold space as mm. a facilitator while these strong emotions mm. are playing out. Yes. It's interesting, this term, because when you're sitting in the fire, you're not just being passive. And some people interpret it like that, that you're just sitting there and going, oh, people need to vent, right? Often that's what people will interpret that as, but actually sitting in the fire is being able to manage your own internal responses, knowing that there's a potential firestorm out there and you need to intervene. Actually, that's a really critical role. So sitting in the fire and intervening, because if you wait even sometimes, you know, three, five seconds, a word, a sentence that's said can do so much damage. And then once it's, it can't be unsaid, you know, so there's more work to be done. So you need to really quickly jump in and say, oh, hang on a sec. Yeah, Yeah, hang on. That's what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just pause this. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And depending on how volatile, how strong the emotion, you know, I had put my hands up, stood up and texted, oh, hang on, let's just stop. Whoa. You know, and and it's almost the proverbial slap on the face to make people wake up. Because when they get into that space, their whole being narrows down to this point of, I've got to get this, I've got to attack, I've got to whatever, and they can't hear. So you you need to really respond with uh, a lot of energy, match the energy uh, that's coming. This is a critical moment, isn't it, as a facilitator? If you really are serious about getting into the conflict and helping people to resolve it, that is one of the critical moments, isn't it? So how do we then proceed? You've stop, then what? Yes. Well, this is interesting because when you stop, often you don't have no idea what's going to come next, but you've done the key work. So, wow, this is really big. Again, you're, you're wanting people to just uh, recognise themselves that stuff is happening. And often what I'll say is, wow, we just have to be so careful here, you know, um, because 
we're here to do some conflict resolution work, but we can still see the conflict is is here, it's alive. And that's compassion. Yeah, that's exactly. what you're showing yeah. to the group that's perhaps lacking yeah. from them. Yeah. And you're modeling that for yeah. them. Yeah. And also helping them to realize that they're okay. Yeah. That you're safe and yeah, we're gonna be like that. Because there'll be a big part of them that will be attacking the other person, but they've also got this self attacking. There'll be a big inner critic in there um saying, you know, what are you doing? Um so yeah, holding everyone uh Safe. I mean, that holding word is sometimes overused. What does that mean to hold? It's mm. it's basically like, you know, the big cuddle <laughs> that yeah. you're giving by your words. But people need to be comforted at that stage mm. um, because they've got no way out once they're stuck in yeah. shooting arrows at each other. And actually that goes back in terms of the process. Whenever you do any conflict resolution work, whenever I do it, one of the key things is when you've explained the process, no matter that you've set it up really well at the beginning and you've given introductory letters and they know the process, you always take them through the process again at the beginning and then you say, are you okay for me to facilitate this work? You're asking for permission. So that is for them the ultimate in safety because they know they can get out right. you know, before they begin. So when they go in, they're wholeheartedly in there with their, they've made that choice. And they really need to make that choice themselves. They can't be coerced into it because it won't work. What tends to happen when we've had this clearing, people have felt heard, Mm. where do you go then? It's really interesting. I just did some conflict resolution yesterday, actually, and... The thing that I see happen almost always, I mean, I love conflict resolution work because, uh, you know, it's got such a high success rate if you give it the time, if you make sure there's enough time there. But what happens is once things are cleared away, it's like you can see clearly. The fog's gone and Mm. people know what they need to do. It becomes clear that, oh, well, we really need to just speak differently to each other. It'll often be a communication issue. Sometimes it'll be about the way they speak. Sometimes it'll be about the mode of communication. They're using text or email or um, sometimes, you know, they're, they're just too busy in their work and they don't make space to have the proper conversations. It could be that. But there, there are other things that can be going on, but they'll see them. And then once they've worked out, essentially what they're doing is they're breaking down the infrastructure that mm-hmm. caused the conflict. They're saying, we will not do these things, and they're building up stuff that will support them in their new commitment, their newfound commitment to say, we're going to value this relationship over everything else. When you've given it time and space, as you've explained, one of the things that occurs to me, having led some of these processes, is it's actually relatively simple Mm. because you've cleared And this, to me, is one of the great beauties of a strong process. Mm. It's not complex. Mm. You think, oh, this is so hard. This is so tough. We'll Mm. never get to the bottom of Mm. this. It's it's never changed and it never will. Mm. Um, One of the beauties is that you're allowing people to see how it can change. It's great you say that because I think it reveals something about people. People unbelievably complex. Mm. So what we actually need is a simple process. (laughs) And then the complexity that's happening between them that's not working, once that's paired back, it it does become quite simple, really. And if you've got a very complex process because you think, wow, the problem's really complicated, we need a really complex process, it's not true. We just need to understand these basic reasons for why people go into conflict and hold on to conflict. 
Oops. I stuffed up. Stuff-ups are learning moments for groups and for us on our journey as facilitators. Thinking about how we recovered and what we learned is powerful. It's funny because I, I still think back to it and get that kind of rising heat of shame or whatever because my first conflict resolution, actually there was like eight people in the room and there was literally no one else who was available to do it and I hadn't done a formal one before and I went to this uh, group of people and all of the setup that you do, like you set up agreements and you do a check-in and all, I actually forgot to do them. I was so affected by the emotion in the room, by the charge in the room, that I was literally going, okay, what's the first thing I need to do? I you get someone to listen and someone to speak. That's right. And I just, I lurched into it. I said, well, thanks for coming. I think I remembered that much. <laughs> thanks for coming. And then I got them straight into the process, didn't explain anything. It was phenomenal. In the break, I rang back to the office and I said, I've done nothing right. And Ed, who was back at the office, said to me, oh, are you sure? You must have done something right. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I did this. And he went, oh, that's good. That's all right. Fine. Keep going. Anyway, remarkably, the group stepped in because people don't want to be in conflict. So they stepped in and they went through the process. And the pr process is a simple one. They got through to the end and we got a great outcome, actually. Uh, at the end of the day, there was a great checkout and so forth. But the amazing thing was coming back to this group a year later and them saying, oh, remember that conflict resolution we did? And then I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be so terrible. And they said, that was masterful. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, they thought that was masterful. That was, for me, the worst bit of facilitation I'd ever done. But it goes back to this thing that people don't want to be in conflict. And if you're prepared to step into that space and have a go and you've got a good process, then what can happen can be miraculous despite all the, you know, <laughs> bits and pieces not happening. That's the best stuff up I've <laughs> ever ha heard because the outcome was virtually perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was a good learning for me. Great yeah. story. <laughs> Sometimes let your mistakes go. Yeah, totally. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Facilitate This is produced for the Group Work Centre by interviewer and showrunner Jim Buckle. Audio engineer Lloyd Richards. Consulting producer Justine McSweeney. Supervising producer Mark Spencer. And myself, Hala Abdelnour. We welcome your feedback via email at podcast at groupwork.com.au. For details on our courses and services, visit our website, groupwork.com.au.